0: Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley,
1: this is Cuda
0: Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans, and welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger. In this episode, we'll recap the last three games with highlights, and we'll chat with Barracuda goaltender Zach Amon. (laughs) On Saturday, the Barracuda hit the road for two games in Texas against the Texas Stars. The club had dropped seven straight before Saturday in six consecutive games on visiting ice. At 5.45 in the opening period, defenseman Cole Moberg got things started with his second of the year. Travick had turned it over to Ben Gleason. Now near side, Moberg, His shot! He scores! Moberg picks a low's far side of the net, and he beats Adam Shield. And the bearer could have dropped first blood five minutes and 45 seconds into the opening period. But just 15 seconds later, former Tucson Roadrunner forward Jeremy Gregoire would answer back for the stars. Mark Ault will hold, played it right to Ciccone. now left it ahead. We've got a breakaway opportunity, moving it, Gregoire! And at 17:56 of the opening period, Ryan Shea would wire one in for his first AHL goal to give Texas a 2-1 lead. Carlstrom down low, Tufty back half wall. Carlstrom near point for Shea. McGrew's out of the box. Shea high slot scores. exactly four minutes into the second period defenseman mark altwood snap went in to tie the game up at 2-2 stars early stages of the second period hope circles away from traffic now scooped up by merkley angle shot chill makes the save puck is loose mark Alt loads up he scores Gio made the initial save, but Mark Galt scoops it up as he pitched from the left point, waits it out, and a perfectly placed shot against the grain. But at 7.42, Frederick Carlstrom would carry one up ice and beat Alexei Melnichuk to give Texas back its lead. Able to get it back to center and back to safety, and they'll make a partial change. But here comes Carlstrom on a, a partial break, save made, rebound, scores! The Barracuda would storm back, though, in the second period. While on the power play, Artemi Kenyazov would put in his second of the year to level the score at 3-3. Knyazev, right side. Barracuda on the power play. He shoots. He scores. Artemi right, Kenyazov a perfectly placed shot through traffic. Parked in front was Jake McGrew. Then at 15-16, Santeri Hatika would pot his first AHL goal to give the Barracuda back their lead. Yazib has leveled the score on the power play. Now a two-on-one developing. Hatika works in looking for his first. He scores! Santeri Hatika has his first goal in a Barracuda sweater. And the have taken their lead back. It's 4-3. And then San Jose would add on to its advantage as Kyle Topping would come out of the penalty box, receive a pass from Jasper Weatherby, and pot his first of the season. Pass influenced and out of the box. Here comes Topping. Got to be a breakaway out of the penalty box. Forehand move! Oh my! What a finish, Topping! He scores! Kyle Topping coming out of the penalty box. Moves it all alone in a phone move. And is able to beat Jurisic on the far side. I think Jurisic had to have been thinking he was going to go to the backhand. He tucks it in at the final moment and cashes in. Up by two in the third period. Up by two in the third period. Texas would, up by two in the third period. The Stars would cut into the Barracuda's lead. As Anthony Lewis would put one in off the faceoff to make it a 5-4 advantage. But then, at 1334, John Leonard would put the Barracuda back up by two with his eleventh of the season. Shumilovsky for John Leonard, back to the midpoint. Kenyaza near side. Leonard, break wide. Blickfeld, dusts it off. Shot off the back wall. Leonard scores. Blickfeld shot at the backboards and it springs the play to the plate of Leonard, who one times at home. The Stars would pull their goaltender down by two, and Curtis McKenzie would cut the lead down to one at 1728 with his 13th of the year. Remaining in the third, 6 4 lead for the Barracuda. Les Brauns threw down net, rebound, they score. Curtis McKenzie, double to clean up the rebound. Then at 1938, still with their goaltender pulled, Tyler Delandrio would pot his 10th of the season to force overtime. Stars down by a goal. 6-5 lead for the Barracuda. 26 seconds remaining in regulation. Lesperovs with the puck. Top left circle. Shoots, scores! De'Landreau may have chipped the puck. I think he did the way the Stars are celebrating. The Barracuda with a two goal lead in the third period. The Stars scored twice with their net empty. Despite the Barracuda getting outshot 5 1 in overtime, the game would need a shootout to decide it. In the bottom of the third round of the shootout, Joachim Blickfeld would score the only goal to secure the 7 6 win. Got 15 goals on the season, works his way in, scores! And the San Jose Barracuda, it got Harry. They had a two-goal lead late in the third. They squandered it. The 7-6 victory marked the third time in franchise history in which the Barracuda were part of a game that ended with a 7-6 final. It also was the first time in franchise history in which four different defensemen found the back of the net. With the win, the Barracuda snapped their seven-game losing streak and their six-game losing streak on the road. On Sunday, the two teams would run it back for game number four on the four-game season series. After a scoreless first period, Nick Merkley would wait just 58 seconds into the second period to snap in his seventh of the year, ending a 13-game goalless drought. Out of the box is back. We're back to full strength. But the Barracuda do not record... A shot on the power play. 41 seconds of power play time to start the second. Holbox now collects a loose puck. Hands off now for Nick Merkley. Works it. Shoots! He scores! The Stars would outshoot the Barracuda 17-3 in the second period. And at 16 5 Jeremy Gregoire would score his seventh of the year to tie the game back at 1-1. Gregoire, Petrovic, skips free, winding up, rebound, they score. Jeremy Gregoire has goals in back-to-back games. In the third period, Joel Lesperance would give the Stars their first lead at 3-31. Back up high to the point, Shea winds up. That's blocked wide. Now near side, less shoots, scores! <laughs> Both teams would put 14 shots on net, but the Barracuda would fail to tie the game up. The Stars would add in a couple of empty netters to seal the 4-1 win. Zach Amon made 38 saves, a career high, but took the hard luck loss. On Wednesday, the Barracuda returned back to the SAP Center for the first of two games against the Bakersfield Condors. At 4.46 of the opening period, Raphael Lavois got things started for the Condors. Out of the boxes hallway, Esposito, who's riding a nice little point streak entering tonight. Esposito's got a five-game point streak, seven points over that stretch. He's got the puck on his stick. Centers in front, controlled, and they shouldn't score. Lavois puts it under the crossbar. The power play had expired, so it will be a five-on-five goal, but Raphael Lavois goes top shelf short side and the Bakersfield Condors open up the scoring. At 519 the Barracuda would take their second penalty of the first period and this time Seth Griffith would cash in to give Bakersfield a 2-0 lead. Griffith will settle it down and now it's intercepted. John Leonard could be a shorthanded chance. Works his way on the backhand and he put it just wide. There was a little bit of space between Stuart Skinner and that right post and Leonard just pushed it a hair wide. Now called is back into the Ozone, Griffith shoots and scores! Seth Griffith on the power play. Just moments later, at 9:18, James Hamblin would tip in a point shot as the Condors would jump out to a 3-0 advantage. Guided up to the point, there's a shot from the left side by Philip Berglin blocked, 10 left in the first period. Back to the point it goes for Bakersfield. Thrown in on net, and they score. Hamlin tips it past Alexei Meldichuk. And the Bakersfield Condors have taken a 3-0 lead. We're not even to the halfway point of the opening period. The Barracuda would finally go on to their first power play in the opening period at 13:51 as Philip Berglund was called for slashing. While on the man advantage, Jaden Holmgawachs will get the Barracuda on the board with his 13th of the season. Jaden Holmgawachs, fourth-year pro, Wolf, skated over the Shark logo. Gains the offensive line, flicks it off the end wall, rims it around for Peterson, right point. Lane Peterson, Alfred for Nick Merkley. Center to front, they score! Just what the doctor ordered, Jake Hulkox on the power play, and the lead is cut down to two. Up three to one, the Condors would push their lead back up to three. At just the 27-second mark of the second period, Dylan Holloway would tip a shot from Dino Cambites past Alexei Melnichuk, and the Condors would go up 4-1. to one. Merkley. <laughs> Merkley, the Calgary native, will play it into the corner. DRNA will scoop it up, guide it along near side. Kenyaz tried to pitch, and now Holloway down the right-wing side into the offensive zone for a trailing center. Rukov, and they score! Dino Cambites as the trailing forward skips it past Alexei Melnichuk. And the Bakersfield Condors take a 4-1 lead. They wait 27 seconds into this second period to push. Back on the power play, Seth Griffith would find the net again for his 19th of the year at 3:24 to push Bakersfield's lead up to 5-1. The most disciplined in the Pacific Division. Barracuda, meanwhile, 10th most penalties per game is shot by Griffith. He's got another one. It is 5-1 Bakersfield. Later in the second period at 8-19, Jaden Hobgawaks would score again his 14th of the season to stop the bleeding and cut the lead down to 5-2. To and as an assist here tonight, Griffith tripped up in the neutral zone. No call the play. Here comes the Barracuda. The Brewer into the zone, shoots, and a good save, Skinner. Rebound, and they score. Hobgawaks, he's got another one. But less than two minutes later, Tim Schaller would receive a drop pass from Cooper Marodi and beat Alexei Melnichuk to push Bakersfield's lead to to 6-2. Put in on him, seems like it's giving him some trouble as here comes Marodi down the wing. He's got a trailing Schaller, scores! Tim Schaller pushes the lead back up to four. It's now six goals against on Melnichuk. That goal would end goaltender Alexei Melnichuk's night as he allowed six goals on 16 shots in 29 minutes and 57 seconds of action. In the third, down by four, the Bear couldn't. Well, they would go back onto the power play, and Nick Merkley would make it goals in back-to-back games with his eighth of the season. Peterson up high on the point for over. Left wing side for Nick Merkley. Shot and he scores! Merkley's got goals in back-to-back games and the Barracuda have another power play strike. Unfortunately, after that point, the Barracuda could not muster any more offense and they would fall in the game by a final score of 6-3. It was the team's first loss against Bakersfield this season on home ice. They are now 2-4 against the Edmonton Oilers affiliate. When we come back, we'll be joined by Barracuda goaltender Zach Amon. This is Cuda Confidential. You're listening to Barracuda Hockey. Welcome back. We are pleased to be joined by Zach Amon, Barracuda goaltender. Zach, first of all, thanks for the time. How are things going? I'm doing good, you? I'm doing well. Thank you again for hopping on. I'm sure it's been a strange year for you, being that this is your first full season of pro you've been between a couple of different leagues, you've played some games in the ECHL, you've played some games in the American Hockey League, you're back in the AHL as we speak. So how has that been, just adjusting to playing with different teammates, different cities, and just adjusting to the difference between junior and now pro?
1: Yeah, of course, uh, I knew it would be like a, a harder first year. I mean, I need some time uh, to adapt, but uh, no, for sure. I think uh, just going back and forth, I think that's the hardest thing. Uh, you get you got to get used to it. And uh, no, I mean, I think that as long, uh, I mean, once the season started, it was tougher at the start, but now it's, it's better. I get, I'm getting used to it. So uh, no, I think, uh, like I said, it would be, I knew it would be a harder first year, but uh, I'm glad of uh, my development so far.
0: Looking at the depth chart within the organization at the goalie position, did you see this as being a possibility being that Zach Sochenko, Alexei Melnichuk were already under contract? There was a couple NHL guys already signed. Did you expect maybe that you would be pinballing between the ECHL and the AHL?
1: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you, you always think about it. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, like for me, I knew it would be the, uh, the organization's decision because uh, we all had the pretty much the same contract, which was an entry-level contract. So for me, it was just trying to uh, do my best at camp. And uh, that's what I I tried to do. And then the decision was not mine. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of knew it would be a possibility. And then uh, so it happened. But uh, I think uh, nothing happens. I mean, everything happens for a reason. And uh, no, I'm glad to... Just having some uh, more experience and then just growing uh, into this. Do you have kind of a grasp on the amount of
0: goalies that have played in the ECHL and in the American League before getting to the NHL? Because it seems like the goalie position, more so than forwards or defense, you see a lot more of them play games in the ECHL because of the value of just getting more reps. Even your goalie coach, Danny Sabrin, spent some time in the ECHL and then made the National Hockey League. So have you kind of looked at it as this is just somewhat of a traditional path for young goalies that – Sometimes they have to work through the ECHL before establishing themselves at the AHL level and then getting up to the NHL.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, and that's that's what uh, the coaches told me when they 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 told me about the decision. Uh, <clears throat> the, I think uh, Bones uh, told me that uh, he played with very good goalies in the in the East Coast League, which I mean, some goalies that are now starters in the NHL. So. Uh, I know it's it's different for goalies, and uh, no, I think, like I said, I'm just getting more experience and out of it, and I'm just playing more games. Uh, that's what I did uh, in the first half of the season, and now uh, I'm back here uh, with the Barracuda. So.
0: Is it fun now that you're actually into the pro ranks before you get drafted, and then there's like this two-and-a-half-year gap between you finally getting to the pro level where you're part of the organization but you're not playing under the umbrella yet? Is it fun to now finally be wearing the teal sweater, you know, having a shark on your gold mask and, and being actually in the pro level within the organization?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, when when you get drafted and then you're all only 18, uh, for sure you're excited, but uh, you know that you still have some time to play in juniors. And uh, no, I mean, it's a special year for me because it's my first year uh, pro, first team in the Uh, first year in the organization, and uh, no, I'm just glad that it's it's starting for real now. Uh, I mean, uh, I was coming here for development camps, uh, training camps, knowing that I would go back to junior, but uh, no, I mean, this year was different because I was just coming here. I I didn't know exactly where I was going, but I knew it would be uh, the start of uh, of something, something
0: new for me. We mentioned Danny Saber, and he's your goalie coach with the Barracuda. He was your goalie coach back in junior as well. So you guys already had that established relationship. I know you guys are pretty close. Kind of describe to us how that relationship is, the communication on a regular basis, what are the type of things that you guys are talking about when it comes to the goalie position? And even when you were in the ECHL, I know he's still keeping tabs on you, even came and visited at one point. So describe to us a little bit that relationship.
1: Yeah, I mean... uh... I mean Danny for me is a very special person. Uh I was I was glad to have him uh at, at the start of my junior career. I was uh seventeen when he actually stopped uh playing as a goalie and then b- decided to become a coach. And uh that was at the same time that I came into the team. So we we got into uh the Ruan Aranda Huskies at the same time. And uh since then we just uh we, we We have been together, and uh you know, like I said, we have a very uh relationship, i think, yes, on the ice but also off the ice, which uh is very important. I think that um I mean, I'm able to talk to uh with him about pretty much everything i'm I'm very comfortable uh talk, speaking with him, so now we just understand each other very well after all those years together. And uh, I think that really helps, also to bring everything uh, on the ice. And just we're always—I think we're pretty much always on the same page.
0: What do you make of uh, the announcement of when he first got hired by the Sharks? I mean, I'm sure you were pretty excited thinking that you were going to continue that relationship, that that work-player relationship, even beyond your junior career.
1: Yeah, of course. I think um, the relationship with between a goalie and his goalie coach is very, very important. And uh, it's, sometimes it's tough to start uh, from zero when you get with a new coach. I think uh, you, you have to get to know the, that person and then start to, to build on something. But I was just excited to, to see that I would just be able to, to continue working with him because, of course, uh, I was doing very well with him. And I was uh, very, uh, like I said, comfortable in our relationship. And for me, I would not—I uh, was not in my imagining just stop to to work with him. So I think it was just a uh, great news uh, for me and also for him. I was very happy for him that he could uh, make that jump to pro as a as a coach.
0: We're talking to Zach and Barracuda goaltender. I know that Danny likes to bring you guys onto the ice a little bit early before practice, and he doesn't let up. It's hard. It's it's a physical, grueling one-on-one coaching setup uh, with Danny. Describe to us, though, what goes into some of the on-ice stuff that you guys are doing. Because I think for fans, if you're really looking at it from an elementary standpoint, it's stop the puck. By any means, stop the puck. But there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more technical stuff to it. So describe to us some of the things that you guys are working on on a daily basis.
1: Well, first of all, I think practices, I mean, the word says it. it, it it's, it's there to practice some, some techniques, some uh, very precise stuff. But once you get in the game, uh, you just got to, like you said, stop the puck. So, I mean, all those days of practice are there to just work on technique and work on uh, on very uh, s- small details. And it's different for every goalies. But I think that uh, that's why we spend a lot of time on the ice like that before practice. Because then we could uh, put some importance on, on those little details and then once we're in the game, we, we don't think about it and it just comes naturally. So I think that, that's the main thing about practice. I think we, during those days, we just put the emphasis on more the technical stuff. And then once we get to games, we just play uh, naturally because we know that we've, we've been prepared very well during the week for that game. So we just have to play and stop the puck.
0: Going back to your junior career, you played with Sam Harvey, and you guys are about as opposite as it can come to, especially from a physical standpoint. You're 6'3. Harves is, I would say, a little bit under six foot. So you're going to have different playing styles. So describe to us what Danny would be working with you on, being that you're a bigger goaltender that has that good traditional frame. And then maybe what would be the difference with a guy like Sam, who's going to be maybe a little bit laterally, he's going to be moving differently. He's a smaller guy. He's got a be a little bit more i would say aggressive so describe to us what the differences would be between two goalies with different physical attributes
1: yeah i mean every goalie is is different and uh even from a bigger goalie i mean you could have two very tall goalies that that are going to play differently so that's one thing that danny's very good at he's just open open minded about about it and uh i think that he, he's he's there to listen to us and then try to help us with our our style of play. And then if he really thinks that something should be changed, then we're going to discuss about it. But uh, I think that, yeah, like I said, it's just every goalies like to play certain uh, situations differently. And uh, you you just got to have some reps. You you have to to try it. And then if it doesn't work, you're going to change it. But I think that for Danny, it's important that every goalie just keep the way they plays, and then he just builds around it. And uh, but you gotta have a a good structure. So if you start with a good structure, a good game plan, and then you can build around it, add some details, and uh, that's pretty much the the way we work.
0: There's been lots and lots of goalies who have hailed from
1: Quebec, Patrick Wah,
0: Marc Andre Fleury, Marty Burdur. You I mean you can go down the list of the greatest goaltenders of all time are from Quebec. So when you were a young kid and you were first getting into the position, who's the guy that you looked up to? You idolized it and the guy that really sparked the drive and desire to become a goalie.
1: Well, first of all, it was my dad. Uh, I started being a goalie. I was I was four. And uh yeah. I mean, I was always at the rink watching my dad play because he was a goalie also. And then I knew that I would always want to be a goalie. And then, uh, so I started as as soon as I could skate, I wanted to be a goalie. And then my dad said, oh, you got to learn to skate properly. So I played one year as a, as a forward. And then at four or five, I started being a goalie. And then uh, I think that I was just looking at every goalies uh, in the NHL when I was younger, trying to pick up some things of, every one of them. But uh, the first goalie that w- I was really watching and I, I loved the way he played was uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. And uh, then it developed to, I was watching a lot, Montreal. So my my uh, biggest uh, uh, role model, I would say, is Carey Price. And uh, I just hope that he's going to get back to play so I can watch him again. But uh, So I think Fleury and Price were the two big guys that I would, watch a lot.
0: I think we all, the hockey community hopes that uh, Price can come back, especially how things went down last year, him getting all the way to a Stanley Cup final. What do you think, as a fan, what makes Carey Price so effective? Why is this guy one of the best that's ever done it?
1: I think the way he understands the game, uh, the way he reads it is off the chart and that's why he makes everything look so easy. So by example, last year in the playoffs he was uh, lights out and he, he pretty much carried Montreal, but it looked so uh, easy for him because he was just calm and reading the game very well. So I think when you had that to um, his talent, the way he moves in the net, uh, his tracking of the puck, then you have a pretty good package. Going back to when you first started playing the position,
0: what do you remember about the original set of gear that you wore? What were you rocking the first time you ever got net?
1: <laughs> uh, I think the brand was cooper but i'm not sure and then uh i actually started with some uh uh outdoor hockey uh gloves and the mask also so it was not very protective but the the shots were not very strong so and then after that uh, my dad got me my first real pair of uh reeboks which was uh rbk i think and then uh, i just uh that's where it started but no i think i I was playing a lot on the ice, but also in the street as a goalie. So I, I, I was just having uh, two pair of pads. I would, I would switch them all the time. But uh, no, I spent a lot of time also in my uh, my basement uh, just playing as a goalie. And that was uh, a lot of fun. I don't know if you had any siblings growing up, but who was shooting the puck on you? I didn't have any siblings. so. I had to drag my my dad down in the basement and say, "Come on, I need some shots." And uh, no, he liked it. We were watching the hockey at the same time, so uh, if we would watch uh, Montreal, I don't know, I would just meh, receive some shots during the, the the breaks and then watch the game and then just do that the whole night. So it was a lot of fun. Being from Quebec, playing in the Quebec League, I'm sure that was a goal
0: of yours from an early age. When did it get on the radar that you would have an opportunity to maybe play major junior hockey? When did scouts start coming around? How did that all come to, come to be?
1: Um, I was actually... I mean, I was always just uh, enjoying playing hockey. Uh, I just... I was going step by step. And then uh, once I got to... Uh, Bantam, I was like, oh, I want to make the midget triple A team. So that was my my first goal. And then that team looked uh that was that, that looked like a big goal for me at that time. And then uh, I made the team, and then it, I was 15. So that was uh, after that season, it would be my draft uh for the for the queue. And then that's when I realized that I would probably uh, get drafted, but Like I said, it was always step by step for me. And uh, yes, I would enjoy watching the the QMJHL games. I would go to uh, Rimouski, watch uh, uh, the Océanic, and just watch those games. But I I was just enjoying playing hockey and then going step by step. And then it it got me uh, here today.